It's 2004. I filed for bankruptcy and later divorce. I'm living in my brother's basement, getting ready to move when the company that I worked for let me know that they weren't going to make payroll again. And I'd been teaching for over a decade, but if I wanted to keep doing that, I had to go back to college at the ripe old age of 42 to get a teaching degree. When I told my brother, he insisted that I continue to live in his basement and said, hey, you're lucky. You get to pick what you want to be when you grow up. And today I'm talking with Scott McCarthy, who's going to be transitioning from a military life to being a civilian. And he's using podcasting to help choose what he wants to be when he grows up. We're also going to talk about a loophole in playing music in your podcast. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up. That'll save you 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription And before we get to my conversation with Scott, I want to remind you about the question of the month, especially if you have a co-host on your show. The question of the month is, how did you find your co-host? How did you pick them? I would love to know because I get that question asked all the time and I don't really have an answer to that one. So I need your help. Now, when you answer the question, be sure to tell us where we can find your podcast along with the name and a little bit about it. It's all there. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I need that by April 23rd, 2021, where I'll be playing your answer along with everybody else who found a co-host. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. Scott McCarthy is the chief leadership officer over at Moving Forward Leadership. You can find that at movingforwardleadership.com, where they focus on three things, leading yourself, leading your team, and leading your organization. And Scott is a guy I ran across when I was just interviewing my audience and something I'm going to be doing on a regular basis. He joined the Canadian Armed Forces when he was 18. He's been doing it for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years this year. He's been doing a podcast for five years, and he actually got his master's while working a full-time job. Oh, and his wife is a doctor. She was going through that whole internship. Currently, they have two sons, but at the time, they had one. And he kind of saw the writing on the wall that, hey, I'm going to be getting out of the military soon, and I might have a problem. You go into the military, especially when you're 18 years old. You disappear to the real world. You don't exist. Like, no one knows who you are. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny. Like, you, people literally, their lives revolve around the Army. You live on the base. You have only Army friends. You go to work at the base. You leave work. And you go home, which is still on the base. Uh, luckily for me, I don't live on the base. But the point of the story is you completely exist only in the military. And it's like, well, at 25 years is when we hit our pension point when you can retire and start drawing your pension. I'm going to be 43. I am going to need a second career. But no one's going to know who I am. My buddy Jordan Harbinger has a saying 
dig the well before you're thirsty. And that's exactly what Scott did. He started the podcast. And then after a few years, it took me about two years to get serious about it. And I was like, you know what? As you get into the space where you learn more about the space and you start seeing, you, you look at the shows that you listen to through a different lens. And all of a sudden, like, there is potential here. There is opportunity here. I could use this to build a business around it for my life outside of the Army. And I always say, your podcast is not a business. It's your business card. So I felt this was the opportunity for me to get my name out there, start showing, you know, start talking about things that I'm passionate about, i.e. leadership. So while this started as a hobby, at this point, Scott had a change of heart. Let's get serious about this. And I can foresee the business opportunities post-Army life through growing my podcast. And the best way to make money with your podcast is to sell a product that you create or a service. So in this case, with 20 years in the military and a master's degree to boot, well, it was a no-brainer. Yep. So uh, I I am positioning myself as a coach. So I do uh, offer one-on-one coaching for either business owners or, you know, business owners are super busy people too. And they have subordinates who are leaders themselves. So I offer to coach their subordinates who are in leadership roles. And then finally, it's, uh, you know, uh, the good old keynote speaking, all those things. So that is currently how uh, I'm making money. I do have an online course for goal setting for individuals. So that whole leading yourself bit. I do have more plans for more online courses, all this stuff. But I am working a full-time job doing this on the side. And while his son was sleeping, just working a few hours a night, the phone started to ring. I got a message from a CEO of a company who wanted to talk business. I said, okay, sure. And I met with him one Saturday and we had a great chat for an hour. And he said, hey, um, I'd like to have you come to my leadership retreat, my manager retreat, and give a presentation for an hour or two on leadership and all that. I was like, perfect. You know, it's right up my alley. I could totally do it. You know, we can you know, massage my message to fit your needs and all this stuff. He's like, great. So I come home happy about that. And uh, I get a message from him later that night. And he's like, I see you um, wrote a book. I'm like, well, it's a little ebook, you know, the good old um, uh, lead magnet, right? Uh, right. Nine, nine foundations of leadership. You can go ahead, grab a free copy right off my website. So the CEO was interested in having Scott kind of be a ghostwriter, even though his name would be on the book and actually work with the CEO to write a book. But remember, Scott was starting his podcast because he needed people to know him outside of the military. So he started some Facebook groups. So I run a, um, a free community for moving forward leadership. It's a Facebook group called Leadership Skills for Managers Who Want to Be Leaders, Not Bosses. And then I go on there and I do live videos and I post questions daily to spur the conversation. So that's community number one. And that's made to connect with people around his podcast. But there's more. As I hinted at, my wife's a doctor. So there's a great community called Dads Married to Doctors because I'm both a dad and I'm also married to a doctor, which I'm heavily involved in. So we have a community of uh, about 4,000 dads in that one. It's super active. That's community number two. And then community number three is a paid membership group out of Dad's Married to Doctors where it's a growth focus group. I take the lead and I run that one. So we got about 50 dads in there and we have uh, weekly Zoom calls where we talk about you know our goals, our struggles, uh, looking for advice and stuff like this. 
Uh, so we're doing all these different things just to, you know, what we refer to as leveling up our life. 4,000 people, that's a lot of people to, to manage. Is there any kind of spam problems that go on? So for the leadership one, there are spam things. But again, I hold standards to the extreme. You show up, you put a spam post, you're gone immediately. I don't, there is no three strikes you're out. I literally, the first thing I do is remove post, block member, kick out, gone. The rules are, you know, it's no self-promotion. People who I've interviewed and I know, like, and trust, I will allow them to post into the group when they have relevant information. 100%. Because why? It is beneficial to the 500 members we have in there. However, if you show up and you post something and it's like, hey, check out my recent blog post on how to lead a team. Well, congratulations. You're getting booted. Why? Because you're showing up from a place of not help but rather you're showing up to only serve yourself. Oddly, on the 4,000 member group of DMD, Dad's Married to Doctors, we don't have any spam problems because it's heavily vetted. How do you go about vetting them then? We have someone who's dedicated just for vetting. So they'll apply to be a part of the group. So that guy will reach out to the applicant directly and be like, hey, there's like reference numbers and stuff like this, which we can look up to make sure the spouse is in fact a physician. So his podcast is up. He's got thousands of people in different Facebook groups. But when it comes to struggling to start a business, one of the hardest things is not to compare yourself to others, especially when the other people don't have a wife and two kids and a full-time job. My own expectations were a struggle. Because I had to stop myself from expecting to be able to keep up with these other companies at the same rate at which they're moving. So I had to prioritize relentlessly, which meant that I had to research relentlessly of where is my biggest bang for my buck time-wise to make my business go further faster to try to keep up, if not pass, all these other you know competitors. Or as the old saying goes, measure twice, cut once. Finally, what I did was I reinvest the money I make from the business back into the business. So I literally, personally, have not made a dollar. Why? Because I reinvest back into the business. I've upgraded all my uh, audio kit probably about a year and a half ago from making the money. I hired a social media coach to help me with my social media wherever I can. Ads, all this stuff, I reinvest back in to go ahead and try to close that gap. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of relentless prioritization. Uh, I I keep a task tracker, uh, you know, an idea board with like, okay, this would be kind of cool. So I throw it in there and I leave it for a while. And then I come back because is it the shiny object or is it something that's actually going to still work? Right. Actually going to work and push the ball forward. And I think one of the things that often stops people from launching a podcast is we think We have to get it perfect right out of the gate. And that just wasn't the case with Scott. I started as a hobby, but my why changed over time. And I adjusted with that. So all suddenly, as my why switched from, okay, hobby to potential business life after army, you know, it kind of morphed in three phases. It went from hobby to wanting to get increased exposure just so people would know my name to now full on you know, side hustle business to hopefully in about, you know, five and a half years time from now, full-time business. So as I went through those three phases, everything around 
uh, the podcast evolved with it. So you have to be flexible with that too, is my, my second bit of advice. I asked Scott, I said, hey, if somebody went over to movingforwardleadership.com, what would be the one episode? And you can only pick one that you go, look, let's start here. Episode 142, uh, former U.S. Navy SEAL commander Mark Devine. Mark was uh, top of his buds class, i.e. the the SEAL selection course. So he topped that out. Uh, But it's called called Staring Down the Wolf after, uh, after his most recent book. So Mark talks about how us as leaders, we need to face our own insecurities. We need to go after our own faults and deficiencies and problems and stare them down and essentially, you know, overcome them to push ourselves and our teams. And remember that CEO that Scott was working with? Well, we have news and bad news. The good news is Scott's still going to speak at their leadership retreat. But that whole book thing that they were going to work together on, it turns out that particular project has been put on hold. But here's the one of the things I really liked about Scott is his attitude. Check this out. Yes, I lost the book deal. But so much good just came out of that whole bit from me learning about you know negotiations in there, essentially reviewing contracts. But ultimately, it was the sense of accomplishment and validation to what I'm doing, proving to myself that if someone wants to have me write a book for them, then yes, I am on the right track, that I am becoming an influencer or am an influencer in leadership space and that people believe in me and what I have to say. So maybe no book deal, but definitely a huge boost of confidence, even a influx of just now motivation to continue to improve my show improve the offerings to my audience, improve my message, and even to the point where I am now advocate for podcasting in general. So because of my podcast, I got a book deal. I lost a book deal, but I gained so much more. So many times we identify ourselves not by our values or beliefs, but by what we do. You know, I'm a cashier or I work in accounts payable, or the warehouse. That may be what you do, but it may not be who you are. Podcasts allow you to reinvent who you are, to be your true self. I mean, for me, I love that Scott knows that it's not easy to start a business, and that's why I brought him on. You need to dig the well before you're thirsty. And Scott doesn't have a five-week plan. He doesn't have a five-month plan. He has a five year plan and he's constantly researching to work smarter to better understand his audience with things like the facebook groups and he's hiring people for those things that he needs help with not some guy talking into a phone on his desk set to speaker of course and looking for money to fall from heaven scott thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story hey thanks for having me dave it's a pleasure it's an honor to be interviewed by the man himself uh thanks for having me out truly appreciate it And again, you can find Scott over at movingforwardleadership.com. Hey, are you thinking of starting a podcast? Well, the School of Podcasting has everything you need to get started from our step-by-step tutorials, our live group coaching, our private Facebook group for networking. You can join today 
And you don't have to worry about it because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So with our money-back guarantee, it doesn't matter if you're brand new or an experienced podcaster. I'm going to teach you how to create your own show from scratch if that's where you're starting from. Our community is made up of brilliant podcasting minds who help each other succeed, and they have fun while we're doing it. So what are you waiting for? Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash join. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash join. Neil Scott is a producer and host of the Recovery Coast to Coast podcast. You can find that at recoverycoasttocoast.com. Neil actually works for iHeartMedia and is one of those brilliant podcasting minds that we have at the School of Podcasting. So again, I love our group coaching sessions. It's not just people listening to me. And Neil came up with a great question. We're talking about playing music on your podcast. And for 99.9% of the time I go, yep, you can't do it. And then Neil said, wait a minute. What if I actually record a musician in my studio when I was on the radio? Can I play that? And I went, huh? And anytime I have a question about law and podcasting, there's one name and only one name in my book. And that is Gordon Firemark. You can find him at the podcastlawyer.com. And we've talked to Gordon in the past about playing music on your podcast. And for those who haven't heard it, that's where we're going to start. Let's start with that. What do you need to play it legally? You need licenses for four different things from two different, at least two different people or companies. And you need an awful lot of lead time in order to get those licenses. It's not impossible. Sometimes the, the companies are willing to play ball if you've got the money to make that happen as well. But uh, it's just a, a convoluted mess, unfortunately. And it's the nature of the music industry. You know, there, there are, it, it all comes down to copyright law. Yeah. So I, I know we need the, the singer or the performer and then the songwriter. And then I used to say the mechanical rights holder. And you said, eh, that's not really. Right. So what's, what's the pro- proper verbiage there? Okay, well, so we'll talk about the nomenclature, but let me just, if you don't mind, I'll just jump into the copyright thing too, because there's two copyrights involved in any time you have recorded music. <laughs> so the first copyright is the songwriter sits down and writes a song, or the composer and the lyricist do it together or whatever, but you've got the composition, the musical composition. That copyright is owned usually by what we call music publishing company. Now, sometimes that songwriter is also the singer, the artist who records the album and makes another copyrighted work, the recording. And the recording, for most artists who are signed to record companies, well, the the company owns that copyright. So now you have the composition copyright and the recording copyright, and you're using it in several different ways. You're making a copy to put it into your show. You're performing the copy when you stream it over the internet. You're making another copy when you download it from a, a server. And so we've got all these rights that are rolled up in copyright for two different kinds of works through at least two or three different media. So you've got synchronization, right, which is the right to take someone's music and synchronize it with your other stuff, put it in your your thing. That's making a derivative work. So synchronization, right? And then you've got the stream, which is the performance, right? That's the stuff that you hear about companies like ASCAP and BMI and GMR and CSAC and PRS and SOCAN, all, all these other companies that collect these public performance rights. The good news is that you don't have to deal with them. And because they only manage that narrow little bunch of, of rights, you're better off just dealing with the record company and the publisher. Okay. We mentioned mechanical rights. That is 
what people talk about when they talk about the download because you're making a copy onto your own server or drive or whatever. Mechanical, though, is really a reference to the old school record industry. I don't remember the last time I saw a mechanically reproduced recording point. Yeah. You know, by etching grooves in a black plastic disc. <laughs> that was what mechanical was talking about. Right. And so it really that really deals with the making of copies of the recording for sale as singles or whatever. And and yes, it that terminology is still used for downloadable MP3 singles and and those kinds of things. But when you're doing a podcast, you're not making a mechanical, you're making a it's a derivative work, it's something a little different. Mechanicals really deal with a a straight ahead cover recording, for example, would be a mechanical and and there's a special royalty rate specific for mechanical licenses that you don't have to ask permission, you can actually just do a cover and pay 10.1 cents per every copy you sell. But because we're not selling podcast episodes, the, the, the labels don't love that. <laughs> the publishers right. don't love that. So there isn't such a thing as a podcast license. What we yeah. have is the need to negotiate separately with the publisher and the record company for the streaming and download rights. It's just that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I call it four-stop shopping. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I had somebody ask me a question that I was like, oh, it's time to get Gordon on the line because I don't know the answer to this one. And that was he did a podcast on the radio. So he was on an iHeart station yeah. and would have musicians come in and they would often then do a song live. And he uh -huh. said, so he was kind of like, well, it's it's my show. They did it. And I was like, well, uh, OK, it, it's if they wrote the song. Now we've got the singer and the songwriter. And I was like, but I'm not sure what the deal is because it's a different version than the one that's on, you know, their album or whatever they have. And I went, I don't know what the what the rules are in that case. And I was like, so it's time to get Gordon on the line. So what's that's a different scenario. It is a different scenario because you're not dealing with that recording owned by the record company. You're making your own new recording of that song. The wrinkle is, and this is very commonly done in radio where it was a, a live broadcast and the band would come in and perform live in the studio and the DJ would interview them a little bit and they'd perform another song and out they go. But that's an ephemeral transmission of the thing and then it's gone. You know, there might have been an air check tape or something, but for the most part, right. that it's a one-off and that would co be covered by that ASCAP or, or BMI performance license. When you're making a recording in the studio, you're dealing again with the right to make a copy of that musical composition. So the record company is not interested or involved in it, except to, I'll get to it in a second, but the publisher still cares. Now you're making a recording. You need a, a license to do that. And there you go. Most of the time, the bands, because they're promoting them, their, their act and their music and stuff, they, they can make that happen. And the band's management should be able to get you the permission you need to do that recording. The other part of it, though, is that the record company has a contract with the band that says you agree to record for us and only for us mm. for a period of five, seven, whatever number of years. And so when they go into your podcast studio and make a new recording of that song that everybody loves, the record label is worried, at least, and probably not rationally worried, but they're worried that that's going to become a substitute for buying the single from them through iTunes because now I can download this podcast episode. So again, you need the permission from the record label to record them in the first place because they're under this exclusive contract. Again, maybe management can make that happen. Again, if it's promoting the band and their tour and the sales of the album or whatever other merchandise they've got, you know, the label may be willing to play ball. Now, what if 
you have a a truly independent artist. He's the he or she, she is the singer songwriter. There is no label. They are their own label. In that case, it sounds like you're free to go. Get it in writing. <laughs> but yeah. I was going to say, I would get it in writing because especially in this case, these are old recordings. And so for me, I was like, well, that singer-songwriter gave you permission to blast it over the radio. There's two words. There's radio and there's podcasting. If they were the same thing, we'd have one word. I'm, I'm with you. I would get that in writing to get the permission that, hey, you recorded this someplace else. So you're exactly right. It's different medium, different rules. And uh, yeah, the, the, the big concern is, does the podcast episode become a substitute for the purchase of that song? And with digital, you know, you and I would have no problem slicing out that song and just make putting it into our, do people still use iPods? <laughs> or into their phones? There are a few, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> tells you how fast the technology's moving, right? And I know right now, I mean, I've been podcasting a while. I've been working at Libsyn now for five years. And in the last 12 months especially, I've seen more takedown notices in one year than I have in the previous 15. They're taking people down all the time. So, Well, yeah, podcasts have really taken off. And the record labels and the publishers have twigged to the idea that oh, these podcasts are out there and they are eating our lunch. People are listening to podcasts instead of buying music. Yeah, uh, especially music-oriented podcasts. So they, they're scrambling to try to find a way to make it all work. And I don't think they're doing a great job of it, but uh, growing pains. And the music industry has never been famous for its forward-looking <laughs> strategies of things. Thank you for answering that question. Obviously, if somebody has more questions, you actually have a book. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. So it's called The Podcast Blog and New Media Producers Legal Survival Guide. And it's sort of a, a basic explanation and introduction to all of the kinds of issues that podcasters and media creators might encounter. Things like copyright and trademarks and libel and slander and, you know, how to do journalism sort of right. Again, it's not a textbook on any of these things. It's a pretty quick, easy read. It's an ebook. Uh, yeah. Podcast blog and new media producers, legal survival guide. Oh, there we go. Podcastlawbook.com or check out all things Gordon at thepodcastlawyer.com. So Gordon, thank you so much for, uh, clearing that up for me. I deeply appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's always fun. And since we're talking about legal stuff, Neil also asked me, he said, hey, Dave, I noticed in your last episode in 768, you played a clip from A Million Little Things. That's a TV show here in the U.S. on ABC. And one of the characters is doing a podcast. So I played a, a section where she made a mistake and uploaded the wrong file. And then I went in and explained how do you fix a mistake. And he says, how did you do that legally? And I said, oh, that's easy. It's not. Technically, it's not. And I said, but I believe in this instance, because I used it as a teaching tool, it's fairly blatant fair use. But please keep in mind when we talk about anything legal and people go, oh, just use fair use, realize that is the defense you use when you go to court. Now, luckily, I haven't been in court too many times, but the times I have, it's kind of expensive. So you might want to think about that. And you, so, Dave, would you like feel bad if they came after you? Yes. Yes, I would. I would kick myself very hard because it's a podcast. What am I doing? But uh, that's what I did. So 
do as I say, not as I do in this case. And I realized when I was growing up, I hated that when my parents said it, but uh, it's all I got right now. So keep that in mind when it comes to all things legal. And if you have any, again, go check out Gordon. He's a great guy. Uh, he's over again at thepodcastlawyer.com. Since we're kind of talking about the military today, I thought I would share. I actually spoke at the Military Influencers Conference a couple years ago, and I was really amazed when I walked in. I guess I just expected a bunch of dudes with short hair, and instead it was wall-to-wall females. In many cases, these were the spouses of the big-shouldered guys with really short hair. And I found out that their story was – They had gone to college. They had all sorts of skills, but they would basically, you know, they would marry this person. They would go to whatever base they were at. They'd be there for a couple of years. And then the one of those people would get transferred. And let's just go with a a female in this case. So let's say she's married to a guy and he gets transferred to someplace else. Well, she would follow him because, well, that's her husband. And. What would happen was she would go there, she'd have her skills, she'd have her degree, and she'd kind of go to work for a new company, but she'd kind of have to start back at square one. So she'd work there a couple years, two or three start to work her way up the ladder, and guess what? That's right. Captain Jarhead is now getting transferred to another place, and she'd be like, ah, okay, well, I knew what I was doing when I married him, and he's such a great guy, and a lot of, and guess what? She gets to start over again. Military spouses wives, husband, whatever it is, this is another great use of podcasting because now you can set up your own consultancy, your own services, and you can do it from anywhere. So since we're kind of hinting at military and civilianism today, I thought I would throw that in here as well. If you're in any kind of job that you want to be location independent so that you can do it anywhere, You got to check out podcasting. It's a great way to market your business, especially if it's something online. When I was growing up, it was actually before my time, which I don't get to say that very often. That was before my time. But uh, I would watch the Lone Ranger reruns. And if you're not familiar with the Lone Ranger, which I realize that's an option, this is this guy that would go around way before COVID with a mask on. And looking back at this, I kind of go, how come nobody ever said when he just rode into town, he and his his trusty sidekick, Tonto, like nobody said, hey, like, dude, what's up with the mask? But he would come into town. There'd be a problem. He and Tonto would figure it out. And uh, they'd be, he'd be like, here he is, throw him in jail. And they'd be like, thank you. And then he and Tonto would like sneak out the back and they're like, hey, who was that masked man? And I'm here to say that that is my kind of uh, thought when it comes to including a backstory. If you notice today, we were talking with Scott. Scott's whole thing is his backstory. His backstory is he's been in the military all his life. So we kind of needed that because we're talking about him using podcasting to kind of reinvent himself and transition into civilianism hood, right? And in episode 767, I needed to include a little bit of Harry Duran's background because he had a marketing background and 250 episodes under his belt, which was pertinent to the fact that he started a, he actually got a sponsor 
before he started a podcast. How cool was that? But realize in episode 766, that's where I interviewed booking agent Kristen Molnar, and I didn't include her back story at all until way after she had delivered value. And that is, in general, the way I like to handle the backstory. If somebody's in, like today, we had Gordon on. I didn't give you his backstory. I just kind of said, look, this is the dude. Like, if you got questions about, you know, entertainment law, there's one dude. His name is Gordon Firemark. Go check him out. And I feel that you trust me enough that if I say, no, Gordon is the dude, like, that, that's all the vetting you need. You don't hear the the fact that, oh, he went to law school and this and that and was in this and that and his dog's name is Sparky and he's, no, you don't need that. Do we? Do we need that? Like, if you think about the movie Jaws, now this is a classic movie back in the day and it starts off with a woman goes into the ocean naked and they didn't go, oh, wait, before she goes into the ocean, you need to let her know. She has a brother named, you know, Timmy and her mom's name is Joyce. Her dad's name is Bob. And she went to, you know, Middlefield High School, blah, blah, blah. No, you just know she's naked. She's in the ocean and that's where sharks are. So sometimes I think we kind of get obsessed with the backstory. And I'm just here to tell you, you don't need it. And there's a great book called Epic Content Marketing. And in it, they say, you know, your audience doesn't really care about you. And that's a little harsh. It's a little harsh until you give them something that they want to know more about you. So in the case of Kristen, we didn't really need any kind of background to understand what podcast booking is. You know what that is. I know what that is. It's where we're trying to be a guest or find a guest. And she helps people do that. And once she gave us all those tips, we're like, wow, who is that masked man? And that's when I went into her story. So that's my thought on that. And I, I know some people kind of caught that I've been kind of flipping and flopping with putting the story at the beginning and the end. And if you don't need it, then don't include it. You're only wasting your listeners' time. So that is going to do it for this episode. Everything I mentioned today, whether it's Gordon's book, his website, Scott's podcast, the question of the month, everything is out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 769 because today this episode is episode number 769. In the future, there are a bunch of things that have been upgrading and adding new features. We're going to be talking about that. There's been some mergers and acquisitions, but hey, that's like every week in podcasting, right? So all you have to do, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 769. Everything is there. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. If you like what you-